great to be with you again this morning. And uh, as we're coming to the end of Jan, I just want to pick up on one more thing, just leading out of January that I've been feeling. And it's this real sense that you don't want to bring old things into a new year. I'm sure you've heard that phrase many times. Uh, it goes beyond just things and it can deal with yourself as well. I don't want a new year in the same old me. Um, you might have heard that one. And so I want to pick up on a passage of scripture. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Ezekiel 37. And we're going to take some time to look at what it means to revive those things that have maybe died, that maybe we've lost hope for, maybe it's become desolate spaces through the journey as we're entering 2020, and just to believe with God what He's wanting to do. And I've titled it, um, Revive All. If you say it quickly, it sounds like revival, but there's something different, I believe, that the Lord is wanting to do, where He's wanting to revive all these parts of our lives, these different components that bring us into a place of wholeness. Um, this understanding of what it means to live an integrated life, even as we've been looking at some of those things in terms of pace and in terms of our emotions. And uh, I want to look at this idea of revival a little bit differently. Quite often we can look at revival and we can think it's something that we've got to travel to, we've got to be a spectator to go and watch and see. And uh, those moments are great as they break out across the globe and God moves. But that's not what I'm referring to in this moment. I'm referring to when God revives all of me my entire being, all that makes me who I am. It's not something that's happening on the outside of me. It's not me wanting to go and be a part of something, but it's God reviving every part of me. And so that's what I'm wanting to encourage us with here as we uh, spend some time. I'm getting a little bit of um, feedback on my mic. Thanks, Ant, if you can just check that up front. So Ezekiel 37, verse 1 to 10, it's this picture of um, the, the Jewish people, they've been in this place of captivity, they've been um, uh, in a place of slavery, they've been in a place of desolation and hopelessness, and uh, the Lord gives Ezekiel this vision. He takes him to this valley where he shows him these dry bones, and he starts to speak hope, he starts to speak life, he starts to speak about a reviving that can take place. And I know for me, I, I'm not sure about you, I can only just imagine that we're all in similar journeys, that the areas of my life that are dry, that need to be revived, that need to be renewed, and that I cannot ignore any longer if I want there to be fresh hope, fresh life, fresh expectancy, fresh anticipation, fresh, fresh ability to move into all that God has for me. And so that's this, this thing that I'm looking at, revive all. And the word revive actually comes from this text. You might uh, wonder where the word revival fits into Scripture. You won't see it, but the word revive actually fits in. And we've had a little uh, karate lesson earlier in the testimony time, powerful testimony, but this word revive means this. It's, it's the Hebrew word haya. You want to say that, little karate chop? We saw it a bit earlier. Just uh, feel free. Don't do it on your, your neighbor's leg, but you can say haya. And this is what it means. It means to restore. It means to resuscitate. It mean, means to bring life from sickness, from discouragement, from faintness, from death. It's this idea of not only reviving, but reviving all of me, total well-being. And I love this last part. It's to have life. You see, Jesus came to bring life and life in its fullness. He didn't just come that he would be revived. He didn't just come so that he would um, be raised. He came that we might all experience this reviving as he brings us life in its fullness, in its abundance, overflowing, as we read in John 10.10. So we're just going to jump into Ezekiel 37. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. It's quite a bit of uh, scripture, so just um, bear with me. But just let it speak to you about maybe 
some of the places that you found yourself in, maybe some dry places that you're experiencing. Maybe there's some, uh, there's some bones lying around that you haven't been wanting to, to deal with, but God is wanting to say something to you and show you something of His redemptive power, His restorative power, of His goodness and His kindness and His purposes, even as we read what's unfolding in this moment. Because even as was for the Israelites, I believe, it's also a prophetic word about what He's going to do in terms of bringing life and gathering us um, with His return, as theologians will tell you. But I believe there's something pertinent for us in the here and now as well. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw great, a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Verse 4. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and, I, and you will come to life. I love that. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. That's a promise I feel like he's speaking to us this morning. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. This activity starts to take place, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. I want to look at these two phrases where it speaks about um, revival, revival, and this other phrase, prophesy. I want to just unfold what that looks like in our life as we walk it out in the here and now. And so I want to get you to do uh, one thing. I want you to turn to the, neighbor, to the person next to you and just say to them, I feel this word is going to minister to you. I can feel it in my bones. Now you're going to hear that phrase a lot of times. We're talking about bones coming to life. As you're saying that, let me pray. Father, we just, we just acknowledge your presence here and we just thank you that uh, you've already been moving and ministering and just releasing life. I thank you that we've been able to just pause and engage with your presence. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to come. Come, Holy Spirit, and just release your breath into lives here once again. Start to call those dead and things back to life. We just prophesy according to your goodness, your kindness, your character, and your nature for you to come and just bring life in abundance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We can feel it in our bones. So this word revival, speaking about every part, speaking emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, relationally, maritally, all of these areas, this is what it's saying, revival. Lord, I want a revival in this 2020, revival, every aspect. Come and do it in my life. I just speak prophetically in alignment with your word. Come and do it. There's the sense of that. Because we need that fresh touch. 
We need a little bit of reviving in some areas. And uh, maybe it's not in the area of our spirituality. Maybe it's in the area of our health where we realize we actually, we, we're starting to entertain unhealthy eating habits and exercise habits, and we're not actually embracing life and taking hold of that for which he's taken hold of us. And so maybe it's in the area of our health where we know that we're not stewarding that well. Maybe it's in the area of our um, spirituality. Maybe that's the area. Maybe we're spending a lot of time in the gym, but not so much time in his word. And so spiritually, there's a dryness. Maybe it's in our marriage where we're so caught up with everything else going on around us that we're forgetting to love and to the minister to the ones that are needing, needing us and most near to us. And not only are we feeling dry, but they're becoming brittle because there's nothing of a, of a presence flowing and washing over them. Maybe it's in the area of our finances where, uh, where there's a bit of a dryness there. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe our emotions are all over the place. Our mental thought patterns are all over the place. And we're not arresting them and dealing with them and actually starting to realize, hang on, these things are uh, dry, not only dry but brittle, not only brittle, but they're soon about to snap if I, if I don't pay this any attention. And uh, this, this affects us. Maybe it's just one of these areas, but where one of these areas is out of sync, it puts us all into this place of being um, out of this just continuous flow of life that God is wanting to release us. Something starts to, to clang, and it doesn't seem to just uh, bring the equilibrium that we need in the life that God has for us. And so we're going to look at this in terms of revival and prophecy. Let's just jump into verse 1 once again. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. You know, if the Spirit of God is going to pull me out of a moment, and take me into a vision. I hope it would be onto a mountaintop full of fruitfulness. I don't necessarily want to spend time in a valley full of bones, but this is what's happening in Ezekiel here, and it's, it's an important because he's wanting Ezekiel to identify these areas, these, these pictures of life, and uh, so often we try and ignore those. We try and just keep a blind eye to those things that are maybe um, some bleached bones and some dryness and some brokenness and that which seems to be dead or stagnant. And we rather focus on the fruitful areas. Maybe you've done the, the strength finders course and you, I'm just going to focus on my strengths. But there's areas that will be hurdles to us because they're part of our well-being, they're the integrated whole of who we are. And uh, the Lord's wanting us to see that so we can be alive to that and see life coming back into those places. As I've mentioned, there can be a, a wide variety of factors. I'm not trying to guess what they are in your life. I know full well what they are in my life. And uh, Ezekiel is being led, first of all, to a dry place. It's amazing. God doesn't take him to the end of this moment and say, here's a vast army. This is what I've done. Now I want you to rally them to my purpose, and I'm going to bring them into not only be uh, taken out of captivity, but to take captive and to be captivated by who I am and bringing breakthrough. No, he doesn't just bring him to that place, but he brings him to the, the dry bones because he wants Ezekiel to sense something and to know something about how dry these bones truly are. Because here it is, and if you can put up my, my first quote, thank you. See, God cannot revive all if you are denying all. God cannot revive all if you are denying all. Say to the person next to you, are you in denial? Say it with your best psychological, psychologist, psychiatrist tone of voice. Just a provoking question. 
You see, if you're in denial, you don't acknowledge that there's this dryness in your life and you avoid it and you, you don't go to those places. But uh, God cannot revive that which we don't reveal. There was a song by a man named Kevin Prosh who um, had this brokenness in his life. He was a worship leader and he had fallen into adultery and for years he kept it hidden and then eventually he came up with an album that just was just really him singing to the Lord and he said, um, that which is hidden cannot be healed. And he was in a moment of just starting to unpack and open up his heart. And we hide these areas and we don't experience the healing power of God in those moments because he's not able to revival if we are denying all. So let me ask a question of you. What part of your life is dry? What part of your life at the moment are you experiencing that dryness? I, I want to ask you to take a moment just to engage with that. Don't push it away, but to actually be aware of it. And I know it might be different this week to next week because seasons change. But I want us to be aware of it as we go through this passage because I'm trusting that there's going to be new life that comes out as we finish it. So there's two interesting things about bones that I want to mention. The one here is he's not just saying that these people were dead. He's not saying that. He's not just saying that their bones were dry. He's saying their bones were very dry. It's this picture for me, if you've been to a game park, of when you go and you find maybe those old elephant bones. And in the midst of that, you see there's not a bit of flesh left, you know. Every, every scavenger has taken that. And not only are these bones picked clean, but they are bleached white. They are sun bleached. They are bleached white. And you know that every little bit of uh, nutrient has been taken away from it. So it's this, this dryness that um, you can only experience when you see in those sort of moments, those sort of desert-like situations. And you might be feeling that. Maybe your finances are not only dry, not only a little bit deadened, but they are very dry to the point that if one more EFT comes off your bank account, your bank account's going to snap. Have you experienced that before? A few of us. Maybe it's your attitudes where you're knowing that I'm at snapping point and ready to do a haya, not to revive the individual, but to chop down the man in La Lucia Mall. Maybe it's in your, your marriage where you're feeling uh, this, uh, you know, Anything and everything's about to snap in this moment. And here's the beauty is he's showing us the dryness so that we'll understand that it doesn't matter how bad it is, doesn't matter how bad it looks, doesn't matter how severe the conditions, that we can have hope because he can bring life again. I don't know your situation, but I know the picture that he's bringing here to reveal who he is and how he can move in your circumstance. And it's starting to bring this understanding that reviving, no matter how bad it is, that he is able to revive all and we can have hope for that as we start to engage with what he's wanting to show us. The second thing about bones that we see here is that they represent bodies that were once alive, alive, that once had life, that were once people that moved. But now there's the sense of deadness, as I've said. Not only that, but if we look at it, it's the sense of disgrace. Because part of the Hebrew culture was that you would never leave uh, a body unburied. It was uh, a disgrace in a sense. And so you would always want to bury it because if it wasn't buried, it would mean that the soul would be kept in a state of turmoil and unrest. And sometimes there's the sense of not only deadness, but disgrace that there are these areas in our lives and we feel that, um, that they just, uh, they left out there. Nothing can come from that, but we don't deal with it. We don't go there. If you're wondering if that question I asked you, are there dry areas in your life? This is a bit of a hint as how you find out. You look where there's those areas of turmoil and you look where there's areas of unrest. Are there areas of turmoil? 
Are there areas of unrest? Maybe are there areas where you're feeling a little bit of disgrace in your own life and you're just trying to hide away from that? That's a hint as to those things. So if you've got your, your notes, you, you've got your notebook, or if you've got your, uh, pen, uh, sorry, your, your iPad, or if you've got your phone, whatever it might be, I want you to just put down a couple areas that are dry. I want you to just pause for a moment and just do that. The person next to you is looking at your notes or looking at your phone. Tell them they've got their own bones. They, they don't need to worry about your dry bones. Take a moment to do that. I continue to share as you, as you are because, you know, there's a process to go through. And it's not going to finish right here. It's going to continue as we go home. And it's going to continue in the, the workplace and in the family environment and wherever we might find ourselves as we say, no, you know, I want to deal with this because I want to see life coming back. I want to see breath coming back. I don't want to be carrying around disgrace anymore because I want to be fully alive in all that God has for me. I want to experience the reviving awe, not just the parts. In verse 2, it says, He led him back and forth among them. And you might be thinking, George, you've mentioned dry bones so many times. Are you not going to move on? And I'm here today to be a representative that's saying, no, we're not moving on. Uh, I want you to walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, as Ezekiel had to do, so that eventually you realize, I'm going to be so moved to action, I'm going to do something about this because I no longer want to be exposed to this. I want to do something about this. I don't want to carry it around with me any longer. And so there's the sense of saying, uh, no more dry bones. Let, let's look at what, what is a dry bone. Number two, let me continue to say this. In verse three, we're going to answer that as we go forward. Well, number one, you need to ask yourself, what is a dry bone in your life? What is that? So let's just move on to the, the next verse. Verse three, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now, you alone know. They've been bleached by the sun, as we've said. They're dead. Um, maybe you in that place, as you look at the bones in your own life, that they're so dead, you've forgotten they're even there, or you've forgotten that there was ever life. Uh, and you, you're answering, Lord, only, only you know if these can come back alive. Have you had those moments? Another super, fifth, uh, super rugby year, and I'm looking at the sharks, and uh, people are asking, the, the pundits are asking, and all the professionals, can the sharks win? Lord, only you can know, but I'm praying that they can. But there's the sense of, I, I don't know. And um, there's something here that we need to realize. It's that these dry areas need an amount of faith. We need to apply faith in them for our marriage to come fully alive again. We need faith in our hearts for us to experience that love for uh, others, even relationally. We need there to be that uh, life that comes back. We need to apply faith for that, for financial stewardship and just living in obedience to God's principles so that we can experience His multiplication. We need to apply faith in that. There are areas that are dry that we need to apply faith for. Because here's the thing, Jesus, sorry, the, uh, the God in this moment is starting to highlight this thing of bones. He's bringing this metaphor and he keeps repeating it over and over. He wants us to get something about this. So let me just pick on three things that bones do. They give you a framework. Uh, you, you try stand up without a skeletal structure and you're going to look like a, a terrible mess. Uh, there's going to be a little amoeba moving around wherever you might go. You need a framework so that you can build on that framework. If you're in construction, I'm not and I've never been, but I've seen people who are, and I've watched some of that shows that show it. They'll walk into a home, and it can look in terrible disarray. And then you'll get the contractor, and he'll say this, 
but it's got good bones. It's got a good structure. It's got a good frame. We can do something with this, and bones provide a framework. Bones provide protection to the vital organs. That's what they do. They protect. There's something about when a father and a mother pick up their roles as parents and they start to allow um, themselves to stand strong. They like those bones that protect the family and allow the vital organs of their children and just the, the family moment to be protected. Bones provide protection. Bones provide mobility. I saw this with my friend Rich through his recovery process. You start messing with alignments and where bones are fitting and healing, and there's not going to be much mobility. I I continually challenged him to an arm wrestle in those moments, but he wouldn't do it. He's recovered now, and that moment's gone. But bones provide mobility, and if we are going to walk healthily with God, we need to have an order and a mobility within our structure. And then lastly, bones provide life. You know, it's in the bone marrow that blood is, the red blood cells are produced, the white blood cells are produced, platelets are produced. It's through the bone marrow. And so there's life that's released through the bones as they come back into good health. And that's the metaphor that's being used here. How the bones of your, your finances, how the bones of uh, how you're stewarding that, is it allowing you to create margin in your life so you can be generous beyond yourself? How the bones going in your spiritual relationship? Is it providing that structure? Is it providing that mobility that you're able to journey with God, that you can experience His deep joy, and then you can share that with others as well? How's it going in your marriage? Is it bringing life to your children? Is it protecting them? How's your, the bones of your physical health? Is it allowing you to lead a, a long life that you might be of involvement and, uh, and be of engagement with your grandchildren? How are those various aspects, all of you, the reviving all, how is it going? And verse 4 continues to say, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I mean, this is the hard part. How do we speak to something that's inanimate? How do we speak to something so dry? How do we speak to something that seems dead? It's like me trying to address this lectern. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing. I wouldn't try and address it and speak to it. Yet here's point number three that I want to bring is this. If you're taking notes, um, let, me, let me just make sure that you got the... Number one was this, what is a dry bone? I don't know if you saw the point. Sorry, I rushed ahead. Have you got the points there on the slides? Point number one, what are the dry bones in your life? We spoke about that. Point number two was... Uh, It's got good bones. You need to know that there's good structure to build with. And point number three, that was point number two. Next one, thank you. Stuart, you're doing well. Point number three, I love this one. We've got to have a bone to pick. You've got to have a bone to pick. Don't look at your partner. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at the screen. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, when he's saying prophesy to these bones, he's saying we need to have a bone to pick, where we look at these areas, these dry bones, and say, I've got a bone to pick with you. Where we look at our finances and say, you know, I've got a bone to pick with you. I'm not going to just leave you as a a dead bone and a dry bone and a weathered bone, but I'm going to actually start to prophesy to you. I've got a bone to pick with you. If your marriage is feeling like it's derailed, you need to know I've got a bone to pick with you. I'm not going to leave you in that deadened space, but I'm going to start to speak God's word. I'm going to start to speak his life, and I'm going to start to prophesy, whether it be your, your wellness, whether it be your emotions, whether it be your mental state, to say, I'm not going to just leave you where you are. I've got a bone to pick with you, and I'm going to start to prophesy. 
There's something about even knowing in the reviving all that there's also this moment of prophesying. It's the same thing we see with Moses as he goes out and uh, he's commanded to say to them in leading the, Israel, Israel, uh, the Israelites out, he's commanded to say things, to speak to Pharaoh, and he wasn't to lead them out and deliver them with a sword but with the tongue. The same with Elijah when he's before Ahab and he says, it's, I'm going to speak to the sky and it's going to stop raining and then I can speak and it will start again because I've got something to say. I've got something to prophesy that comes from the very heart and purposes of God. And so it's to say, I've got a bone to pick and to actually start to engage with these various areas. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And so it uses this word prophecy. And this is another word like revival where maybe we have different ideas and don't know how to engage with it. And uh, for some of us, we think it's maybe a strange thing, but this is what it means. Prophecy is simply saying something before it actually happens. So, prophecy is saying something before it happens. I'm saying it simply, and we'll go in a little bit more depth in a moment. But if I'm going to say, and I'll pick on the Sharks again, I'm going to go watch the Sharks game next week, and then I go prophetically, I've fulfilled that which I said. In the same way, we can prophesy in a negative sense. And words that we're speaking over our spouse or over our finances, as I've said, over our emotions and over our children, that maybe they're never going to amount to anything. We can be prophesying those very things into being because we're speaking it and because we're saying it. And so prophecy is powerful. And in the Hebrew, it's the word nevah, and it means this. I've got it up on the, the slide. Thank you, Stuart. Another, another one to find for me. Sorry, man, I'm making you work hard. And it means this, to speak by inspiration of one under the influence of a divine spirit. Let me say that again. Speaking of prophecy, it means to speak by inspiration of one under the influence of a divine spirit. And you might think, but George, how does that work? Because I don't feel like I'm under that influence or engaged or hearing or knowing what I must do. How do I speak to the dry areas in my life? How do I prophesy to them? And we see this unfolding here in verse four. It's very clear. It says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. The dry bones, here's the beauty, the dry bones don't care about what you think and what I think. We don't have to prophesy concerning what we think, but here's the answer. It's God's word that we get to declare. It's God's word that we get to prophesy. He doesn't go and say to these dry bones, I want you to um, rise up again and I want it to happen in my name, in the name of Ezekiel. No, he says prophesy to them and tell them what my word says. And so here's the beauty. We get to take God's word. We get to take his promises. And we get to prophesy under the divine influence of um, his God-breathed word, the life that's contained there into whatever situation we might be facing. And so we get to declare what the, Lord's, what the Lord says. So what does that look like? To be a mouthpiece, to prophesy according to his word and his purposes. Well, maybe... As I've said, maybe in, in, uh, in our marriage, things aren't going so well. And we're looking in that area and we're saying, well, what do I do? You get God's promises. Maybe you're you in that place and you're thinking, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling like we're being pulled apart. No, you take God's promise and you prophesy into that situation. You say, we're two are brought together. They are one flesh. And let no one separate what God has joined together. I'm going to prophesy into the promise of the truth of his word. And so we start to declare that. It's not something that we stir up in our own sense. And verse 5 continues to say, this is what 
the sovereign Lord says to these bones, I will make breath into you and I will, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. See, it's the beauty of knowing that we get to speak forth his word. And here's a, a man by the name of Colin Dyer said this, that God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in his own mouth. Let me say that again. God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in his own mouth. There's something about when we take his word and we declare it forth in faith under the influence of his Holy Spirit that we see tremendous power being made available. So the last one that I really want to pick on as we uh, finish off, my fifth point is this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but God's word will always revive them. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but God's word will always revive them. Let me read from verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I love that he's taking it. He's prophesying according to God's word. As I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise. There was a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And there's the sense here of understanding that whatever we're facing, God can revive it. But that last line, uh, it really grabs me. There was no breath in them. Sometimes we can think, oh, it's all put together. It all looks neat. It's got an appearance of life, so it's fine. But there's something about knowing. We're not only wanting to have, um, in a sense, uh, uh, an order coming back, but we're wanting a life the life of God in what we're experiencing. And uh, if we, we look at this, it continues to say in verse 9, Then he said, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, and they were a vast army. There are two things happening here that we've seen unfolding. There's been prophesying to what was dead that it might come alive, and then there's prophesying to the wind and to the spirit and to the breath. It's this word ruach that's mentioned here, breath. It means spirit, and it means the wind. And it's saying not only do we prophesy to that which is dead to come alive, but we prophesy to the spirit, and we say, come wind. If you, you have sung songs here, you've heard people pray and say, come Holy Spirit. You see, if we're wanting a reviving of all, if we're wanting to step into that place of prophesying into those areas, then we need to be calling the life and the breath of the Holy Spirit. It's to say in that area, as I've mentioned, maybe it's the emotional area where we're saying not only are we addressing it bone to pick, saying come alive, but we are prophesying and we're speaking in accordance with God's will and authority uh, that we have as sons and daughters to say come Holy Spirit and revive this area of my life, my emotions. We're saying, come Holy Spirit, and revive this area of my finances. We're saying, come Holy Spirit, and revive all these areas that I'm struggling with, including, let it, it might be my marriage, it might be uh, whatever you might be facing. We are saying, come Holy Spirit. So it's not only saying, come back alive, but it's saying, I need your breath. Because we are called to stand up, it continues to say, as the army of God, there's this vast array, this vast army, but warriors cannot fight without breath. 
We need the breath of God infusing our lungs, infusing our life, so that we can continue into all that He has for us. So let me ask you just to stand, even as an army stands, and I want to pray that over us here this morning. Lord, we just so grateful that we can take a moment to pause in your presence. That even as we take that moment, Lord, that we can just respond to that which maybe you've been revealing to us. Maybe they're the, those dry areas, those deadened areas, those things that have been scattered. Maybe we felt a little bit ashamed of them and disgraced by them and they've just been left out there. Maybe there's been a bit of turmoil in our hearts and unrest, but we've just thought nothing can come from this. It's a desolate place and we haven't had hope. And we just thank you that we can just pull on, on this vision that you gave to Ezekiel. And it can be a fresh prophetic inspiration to us here this morning. And Lord, we, we love to see revival breaking out around the globe. But Lord, we want to say, come and revive all of us, Lord. Every part of us, Lord. Every bit that might be uh, uh, in a season of dryness. And even as we say that, we thank you as we start to declare your word to deadened areas, that, Lord, that you can bring them alive. But not only do you bring them alive, but we start to prophesy in accordance with your word, your purpose, your character, your nature, your promises. And we start to prophesy even in accordance with your moving Holy Spirit. And we say, come breath of God, come wind of the Holy Spirit, come Spirit of God. And won't you just breathe life into us again? We speak and breathe and prophesy your life into marriages. We breathe and speak and prophesy your life into financially desolate situations. And thank you that there will be life and order coming back. We prophesy your life into the emotional area, into people's struggles against anxiety and depression. We prophesy life. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and revive us in those areas. And Lord, I most of all pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, you would come and revive hope in our hearts. Revive hope in our hearts. That because you stood up and resurrection, life, and power, that it's possible for every dead and thing to come alive once again in the resurrection power of who you are and your life in us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And together we say, Amen. Amen.